Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. Good morning. Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, we come this morning and we prepare our hearts to receive from you, God. We, we come expectantly to your word. Lord, just as the, the disciple came and asked, God, teach us to pray. Jesus, teach us how to pray. We come this morning and, and we ask that same question. We prepare our hearts with that same intent. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us how to have a, a clear and direct line of communication to you, how to have a healthy relationship with you, how to include you in our everyday life. God, help us to, to not only benefit from that direct line of communication in our relationship, but then to take that benefit and to apply it to those that we come in contact with so that others may see that we have, have been with the King. God, we thank you that we have this time this morning. We ask that you would, would use it, that you would multiply it, that you would, would create an impact this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I am in the midst of, with, with Kaylee and our kids, we're in the midst of this move from, from one home to another, and, and you guys have kind of heard me talk about it a little bit, and uh, yesterday was kind of a, a, a marathon day of loading up pickup trucks and going to like three different places where I'm scattering our, our family's belongings, and, and as we were doing that, I was kind of struck by a couple of things, and one was, was just how blessed I am how blessed we are, and I, th- I think we can safely say how blessed, by extension, all of us are uh, as Western people that live here, that, that it takes multiple locations for me to store the things that, that exist in my home. And, and as I, I'm looking at, at some of these things, I, I'm struck with this almost embarrassment <laughs> at... at the, the amount of blessing that, that exists in, in my life. And, and when, when I look at, at not just the physical blessings that exist in my life, but the fact that I have family that is able to help me uh, in the midst uh, of this move, that I have my dad who, who's there with me and, and my mom who's watching the children and my sister who's, who's making her home available and, and all of these different components come down to blessing. And, and I am so blessed, and I'm so blessed that, that you are all here this morning. And as I was kind of prepping last night and, and kind of getting ready for today, I was just struck with this, this overwhelming sense of, of gratitude. And, and real, it's, it's humbling to, to be able to, to be here and to have the, the privilege of of sharing with you, uh, of being able to come and to, to do life with you. And, you know, it's, well, Matt, yeah, that's your job. You're supposed to do that. And I agree. <laughs> it is my job, but, but what an awesome thing for my job to be able to be something that it is such a, a privilege as well. And so I just wanted to say thank you for, for that opportunity. And so this morning, we're going to turn once again to the 11th chapter of Luke as we continue our study in the Lord's Prayer. And 
Today we're going to remain focused on the topic that we started last week, and it's this, this topic of forgiveness. And maybe some of you are, are now saying, well, gosh, I was really hoping we were done with that last week. But, <laughs> but no, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to take another whack at that. And so last week we were kind of talking about, you know, forgiveness, there's some urgency that is associated to, to forgiveness. As we, we look at all of the, the prophets that are in the Old Testament, as we look at all of the, the, um, the, the people that are there declaring the word of God to the people of Israel, they're talking about the Lamb of God who would one day for them, take away the sin of the world. And, and that he was going to come onto this stage and he was going to do something amazing. And, and through that was going to come forgiveness. When you think of the parable of the prodigal son, and when, when I think of the parable of the prodigal son, it, it's sometimes easy, because we're human, it's sometimes easy to look at that parable through the lens of our own life experience. It's sometimes easy to look at that from maybe the, the lens of the prodigal son, and there's maybe some feelings of guilt that exist. Of, gosh, I, I've been there. I've done that. Or maybe it's, it's easy for another person to look at it through the lens of, of the son that stayed behind and, and there's some feelings of guilt that exist there where you're judging the people that are coming back and you're not extending to them the grace that, that we see. But, but that was never the intent of that parable. The, the prodigal son returned home to his father not because of guilt, he was never driven home by a guilty conscience. But he was drawn home because he hoped for mercy. He was drawn home because he was looking for forgiveness. And, and so sometimes when we move from this place of, of guilt to a place of mercy and forgiveness. We get to that spot of saying, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. That's what, that's what the prodigal son says to the father as he comes home. And after he says this, after he gets his confession off of his chest, he then discovers that there was a, a mountain of benefits waiting for him when he came back. There was a mountain of blessing. That all of that blessing was showered upon him freely once he returned. And it, it was never a matter of guilt. It was a matter of hope for mercy. A matter of seeking forgiveness. And so this morning as we talk about forgive us our sins... One of the questions that comes up pretty regularly when we start diving into the matter of forgiveness is if we have been forgiven once and for all through our, our faith in Jesus Christ, why then is there any need for me to ask for forgiveness again? Why do I need to, to keep asking for forgiveness? And, and we obviously do because when the disciples coming to Jesus saying, Lord, how do we pray? He says, 
you were supposed to ask for forgiveness. <laughs> so obviously there's, there's something going on here. When a man or a woman or a child, anybody comes to trust in Christ, Part of that, that start of that relationship is what we call repentance, where we, we recognize, we, we confess that we have done wrong. We have done wrong things. And, and that's not a popular thing to do today. It is not a popular thing to, to come out and say, I have done something wrong. But we have. I would wager a bet that probably 85% of us did something wrong before after we woke up this morning. <laughs> and so part of that, that initial, initial relationship is that confession saying, God, we have done wrong things. Forgive us our sins, if you will. And we accept Freely, that, that offer that you have given to us that, that says that Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross addresses that, that wrongdoing. But it's important to note that Jesus Christ's sacrifice on that cross did not eradicate sin from our lives. It didn't. It no longer rules our lives but it still remains. When we turn to Christ, when we repent, and repent means we turn away from the wrong things that we have done, we are able to look back and say, I have been saved from the penalty of sin. No longer does, does sin have a hold on me. No longer does it get to control or mandate how I exist. I have been saved from its penalty. The account has been made clean. Everything that, that kept me from the discovery of God's goodness, of God's grace, has been wiped away. All of that penalty that we deserved, because let's make sure we're clear here, that the wages of sin, as it says in Romans, is death, and that is the penalty has been annulled, has been paid for, has been eradicated. And we come through repentance to Jesus Christ. And so we've been saved from sin's penalty. And one day we look forward to when we get to go to heaven. And when we get to heaven, that is where sin will not have a presence. Sin will not have a place in heaven. It will be a completely different experience. We will be in a place where there is no sickness, there is no pain, there is no, no mourning. Because sin will not be there. And there will not even be a possibility of sin. But now, here we are today, this morning looking forward to that time, but not there yet. And so this morning, we are being saved from sin's power. Because 
Despite the fact that sin's power is broken in our lives, we still sin, we still mess up, we still do wrong things. And so because of that, we say, forgive us our sins. And so the the next question that comes from that inevitably has to be, does this mean that when we sin, we somehow lose our salvation? When we do wrong things, we have to start the whole process over again and say, God, I need you to take me back as your child. I I just did a wrong thing and now I'm, I'm off on my own again. That is absolutely not the case. Thank you, Jesus. When sin happens in our lives, when when we make choices that, that create hardship, the the relationship with God as our Father remains intact. But what is affected when we make those choices, what is affected when we sin is our enjoyment of that relationship. A really clear illustration is if you, you picture a, a parent of a teenager that, that gives their teenager the, the keys to the car and they say, go out, have a, a great time this Friday night. I don't want you to go here and I want you home by this time. And the clock is counting down and they, they don't come home at the time that they're supposed to come home and instead they choose to come home maybe three, four, five hours later. And, and there you are sitting at the breakfast table with, with that child. My question is, did that choice somehow separate them from being your, your child? Did, did that poor choice, that poor decision, that sin separate them out of your family? That child did not send themselves out of a relationship with their father. But they've sent themselves into a situation where all of the blessing of that relationship is now broken. All of the blessing that could potentially come from that relationship is broken until, until what? Until there is forgiveness. Until there is restoration until there's a consequence. Because there has to be a consequence. There, it can't just be, well, we won't do that next time. There needs to be a consequence, and, and that consequence in this case is death. But Jesus Christ paid. So the, the fact of the matter is, we, we're all that teenager. Every single one of us is that teenager that that has come home four hours after curfew. And maybe this is hitting a little too close to home for some of you. Uh, (laughs) But we are are all that teenager that that has come home and is sitting at that breakfast table and, and we have a choice. In that moment, we have a choice of whether or not we want to reestablish the enjoyment of that relationship or if we want to live on pins and needles, say, man, maybe he just won't notice.
1 John 1.8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It says, I write to you that you may not sin. But if you do, we have an advocate with the Father. We have, we have someone who is pleading our case in the presence of the Father. I've been reading uh, or listening to a couple audiobooks, and, and a, a couple of them are, are not, they're nonfiction. Sorry, it's not fiction. Uh, <laughs> nonfiction, and it's about this, uh, these two men who have been wrongfully convicted and sentenced to death. And in large part because they did not have an advocate. In large part because the, they were not properly represented to the people that were making the decision about their life going forward. But this morning, church, we have an advocate who pleads our case in the presence of the Father. So that when the Father recognizes that we sin, because just like that father of the teenager, that, you bet he recognized that that teenager sins. And that is exactly what happens with our Father. He recognizes that there is wrong that has taken place, but Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father saying, I died for that sin. Don't hold it to his account. I died for the sin that Matt just committed there. Forgiveness isn't ours until we seek it. Forgiveness isn't ours until we, we seek it with repentance, until we, we show up and say, God, we did wrong. Forgive us. Do you remember when you, when you came to Christ, when you made that decision to say, God, I'm giving up control of my life? If you, you think back to that time, your, your repentance was, was clear. It was deliberate. At that time, you were making a decision. Maybe you were at the end of your rope saying, man, I cannot do this on my own anymore. If our beginning of our, our Christian journey, if the beginning of our faith and trust in Jesus Christ starts with deliberate and clear repentance, then shouldn't the life that we live going forward also contain those things? Shouldn't the life that we live going forward contain clear and deliberate repentance on a regular basis? Man, I really like the one and done. It's a lot easier. It's 
The fact of the matter is after we choose to follow Christ, it's not like there's just this big slush fund that, that all of a sudden comes into existence and says, well, we've covered all of Matt's, Matt's issues at this point and he's never going to have to take responsibility again. That's not true. And again, to be clear, we're not talking about losing our salvation. We're talking about missing out on the enjoyment of that salvation. I mean, we, we sang just a moment ago that God will hold us fast. And he will hold us fast, regardless of the stupid things that I do. He has made for us a once and for all atoning sacrifice in Jesus Christ. He says that the penalty of sin is no longer to be held against us, but we are required to repent and seek forgiveness. The Christian life is supposed to be one of daily repentance, daily turning away, hopefully not from the same thing, but daily turning away from those areas in our life that we need to find growth, daily turning away from those things that, that God is saying, I have something better for you. I have something in store for you that is life-changing. Turn away from that thing that is creating problems in your life. Turn away from that, that thing that is, is not healthy for you physically. Turn away from that thing that is not healthy for you spiritually because I have better for you. We don't have to mope around in guilt. Christ has handled the guilt. But we need to seek forgiveness. And, and so there's this second component where not only are we supposed to seek after forgiveness, what we discover is that the forgiven person is to be a forgiving person. The, the person that is forgiven is supposed to then extend that forgiveness to other people. And there's, there's a lot of parables in the Bible about this, but there's one specifically about this uh, servant who is forgiven a, a pretty substantial amount of money. He's in debt and he's, he's forgiven his debt. And then he turns around and Someone else is in debt to him for a much, much smaller amount, and he chooses rather than to forgive that person, have him thrown into prison. And, and it's a very clear illustration that if you are truly forgiven, if you are recognizing and, and walking in a healthy life of forgiveness, then you should be forgiving as well. Sometimes when we read this phrase in Luke where it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Sometimes it's easy to read it like, I'm doing this, and so since I'm forgiving people, I expect you to forgive me too, God. That's not how it works. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Again, it'd be really really easy if that was how it worked. We could just have full control over how everything happened in our lives and you say, well, I'm choosing to forgive these people and so since I am God, you now have to forgive me. Thanks. 
But the Bible makes it very, very clear that forgiveness comes from the grace of God. Not from anything that I could do on my own. Not from anything that I deserve. And certainly not from a result of me going out to do something, endeavoring to earn it on my own. One of the major proofs of someone who has truly repented of their, for, of their sins is a forgiving spirit. So what that means then, and this is going to be uncomfortable, is when I continually harbor enmity, when I continually harbor bitterness in my heart, and when I hold grudges, not only am I disintegrating my own life, not only do I jeopardize the relationships that exist with other people, but frankly, I call into question whether I really have been forgiven in the first place. Because, again, a forgiven person is supposed to be a forgiving person. And so if I'm hanging on to those things, then have I really truly repented in the first place? Have I really turned away and left all of that stuff behind? Or is this one of those things where I've left it buried just below the surface for easy access when I need it? Dwight L. Moody said that those who say that they will forgive but never forget simply bury the hatchet but leave the handle out for immediate use. And that's, that's where some of us are. And I know if I look at, at my life, there are areas where, where that's the case. If I look around the landscape of my life, there's all these little handles sticking out everywhere just ready for me to grab it and whack somebody as soon as somebody does something that, that rubs me the wrong way. Say, you did this 10 years ago, shame on you. But the forgiven person is a forgiving person. Things were that, that we've stated we forgive are supposed to be obliterated. They're supposed to be gone. There's supposed to be nothing left. We're not supposed to go back and, and reference the list of wrongdoings that we have. Hopefully we don't have this, but like you're not supposed to have a journal of all of the things that people have done wrong to you and, and somebody shows up and you start looking at your journal and you're like, well, you've, you're like three, three wrongdoings in the red here. We need to figure out how we're gonna even this up. No, and that sounds silly, right? So what if you kept that journal in your head instead? What if, what if we just kept that journal in our head instead? And I do, and I hate it, but I do. <laughs> I keep that journal in my head. I keep track of the things that people have done. And I leave that, that handle sticking out for me to go grab and say, you did this to me, but we're called to forgive. I can't forgive if it's just me. 
I, I don't have the ability to do it. I don't have the, the willpower in and of myself to do it. But when I come and I, I seek the power of the Holy Spirit to, to be active in my life and say, God, I can't forgive this thing in my life, this hurt that has existed, but Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm giving it to you. And just as I have repented of the things that I've done wrong in my life, I now forgive this person for the wrong that they have done. The unforgiving spirit is the number one spiritual killer in the church today. I've seen it. I've seen it personally that an unforgiving spirit, someone who is unwilling to let go of the wrongs that they have experienced literally five, ten years ago, completely stops that person from going spiritually completely stops maybe their entire family from being able to have spiritual growth. There is only one remedy for our past, and it is forgiveness. There is only one ground for our confidence for the future, and it is in the promises of God. And there is only one basis for our enjoyment today in the present. And that is in our trusting obedience to what Jesus Christ has called us to. And this morning, he is calling us to forgiveness. Let's pray. Father God, we, we come this morning recognizing that you are in heaven that you are seated on your throne. And God, this morning we, we ask that your kingdom in heaven, your perfect kingdom would come, that it would come and it would exist here in this place today. God, that it would come and it would exist in this time, that it would come and it would exist in my heart and my life. God, we come this morning and we ask that your will would be done. that your will would be carried out through the lives of your people, that your mission would be accomplished here in this place, that your people would be reached. God, as we, we read and we watch on the news the conflict that's existing in the Middle East, Lord, as we watch the, the people of Israel, the, the Jewish nation and the Palestinians in conflict, Lord, we, we come and we ask for your will and your kingdom in that particular situation. God, we come this morning and, and maybe there's a specific need that exists in our life. Lord, we come and we ask that you would give us our daily bread. God, give us the things that we need to sustain. Give us the things that, that we require to continue living the life that you have called us to live. And God, we thank you for the blessings that you have given over and above. God, you bless abundantly. More than I could ever ask or imagine, you have blessed. And God, this morning we come and we ask that you would forgive us.
Forgive us for the wrong things that we have done, Lord. We thank you that you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross and that he has made a way for us to receive that forgiveness, that there is nothing that will be held against us. But God, we do come and we seek forgiveness because we want the the pleasure of your relationship. We want the enjoyment of your relationship. We want to be with you. God, as we take a moment this morning to examine our lives, God, help us to take down the blinders, help us to step out of the the mindset of convenience and really look at what exists. Help us to, to see those areas that you have called us to something better. And God, give us the courage to, to turn and to repent and to come back to that place. And Lord, as we, as we move to that time, as we, we experience that in our own lives, then help us to turn and help the forgiven believer to be a forgiving believer. God, help us to forgive those who have done wrong against us. Lord, help us to release those wrongs. God, you have called us to a place of health, to a place of wholeness. God, you've called us to grace, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 